0: It is with a heavy heart. Legendary stuntman Remy Julien has passed on due to COVID-19 at the age of 90. The man worked on some of the best car chases and action sequences on film. Operation Condor with Jackie Chan. Three Men to Kill with Alain Delon. I'm for the Hippopotamus and Watch Out We're Mad with Spencer and Hill. Highway Racer with Maurizio Murley. Blazing Magnum. Mean Frank and Crazy Tony. High Crime with Franco Nero. Summertime Killer. The Original Italian Job and Bond films with Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton and Pierce Brosnan. The Man Was an Icon and Little Life Many Can Only Dream. Godspeed, and thank you for your endless contributions to the film Mr. Julian. If you are not satisfied with the arrangements? You can complain to the management. <laughs> If there's a god left up there to believe in My father who art in heaven You made a jackass out of me for years It's never been you for me Melville's god, that's a god I believe in You see what you want, you take it You take it And I'm gonna do the folks, Mackenzie Lambert here, your host for Mac in the Movies, where we look at everything from art house to grindhouse. I know this episode is a week later than previously anticipated, but I needed the break. Today we are looking at select films from 70s genre director, William Girdler. Those films include Asylum of Satan, Project Kill, Grizzly, and Day of the Animals. But before we look at the movies, let's look at the man himself. Girdler was born in Louisville, Kentucky on October 22nd, 1947. Girdler was born into a prominent family and served in the Air Force. He co-founded Studio One, starting out in commercials before moving on to feature films. His first feature film would be Asylum of Satan. Other films of note outside of the four featured on this episode include Three on a Meat Hook, Abby, Sheba Baby starring Pam Greer, and The Manitou. Girdler died in a helicopter crash while scouting locations in the Philippines on January 21, 1978. Now let's dive into the movies. We got movies! Lucina Martin is transported to an asylum at the request of the reclusive Dr. Spectre. She wakes up confused, uncertain of her surroundings. She attempts multiple times to escape, but is foiled by the asylum staff. While Lucina is imprisoned at the asylum, others are killed. One meets her demise by rubber bugs and hot steam. Another is killed when snakes were unleashed in the facility pool. Turns out Spectre made a pact with Satan. Asylum of Satan may be the tamest Satanism film of all time. Being released in 1972, playing more into the paranoia of the Lucina character. That same year gave us Last House on the Left and A Bay of Blood. The film predates The Exorcist by one year, which would elevate the Satanic trope to unbelievable heights. This was Girdler's second film, which he also co-wrote and directed, and it is rough around the edges. Simple sets, basic execution of the premise. The look of Satan is a sight to behold and not in a good way. Think of the alien from Luigi Cosi's Alien Contamination. But it does hint at the John Carpenter-esque style and straightforwardness you'll see in later films. Carla Borelli was Lucina Martin. She plays up the paranoia of the character. She was a TV regular, appearing in Wild Wild West, Mannix, Ironside, and Silk Stockings. Charles Kissinger, donning the dual roles of Dr. Spector and Martine Williams, playing both a man and a woman, or a man disguised as a woman, who knows. Kissinger was a girdler, regular, appearance, in seven of his nine films. We'll see him again later this episode. While Asylum of Satan may not compare to later satanic films like The Exorcist and The Omen, it is still worth a look. If you want to see how much Gerler improved as a filmmaker, watch Asylum of Satan, then check out his later films like Grizzly or Day of the Animals. Interdiction and protective reaction, those will be your areas of duty. You will gradually reach a point of acceptance where you will begin to surpass everything you have ever done before and to accomplish this you will be given vitamins to increase your stamina chemical injections to expand your mental capabilities it is all i've had the project for six years frank i've had enough okay now you're the head of it doesn't that mean something the program has changed can't you see that the project is different it's more drugs now more mind control Well, it's necessary. The the whole thing is wrong, Frank. You can't do that, and you won't do that. Frank, I'm going out. Lasseter, 712. Yeah. Get me a medical survey team over here. As soon as possible, yes. I'm sorry, Frank. No, thank you. Miss Walker, for someone who's done so much for the country, you deserve a little enjoyment. Well, there is one little bit of enjoyment I will allow myself. Okay. Project Kill opens with a dramatization of an assassination attempt by sniper ninjas on the Canadian ambassador. The ninjas are swiftly taken down by a bodyguard. The bodyguard was a representative of a top secret military experiment. John Trevor is the head trainer of a special forces unit for artificially enhanced soldiers known as Project Kill. The drugs are used to enhance the reaction times, alertness, and endurance of the soldiers. Trevor has grown weary of the unit due to the increasing use of the drugs and the inevitable status of the group as pawns for the government. His partner, Frank Lasseter, attempts to alert authorities of Trevor's intentions, but is knocked out. Trevor makes it to the Philippines and meets up with former members of Project Kill. Soon, Trevor starts to experience the withdrawal effects, attempting to overcome the drug treatment without the proper deprogramming not only as Lasseter after Traver, but also Alak Lee, a prominent figure in the Filipino organized crime. In a room full of cinephiles, there's no quicker way to silence the room than uttering the phrase, Leslie Nielsen, super soldier. Before his career resurgence with films like Airplane, Creepshow, and The Naked Gun, Leslie Nielsen was in a career rut, working in B-films and television, Yet, the prospect of Nielsen throwing out judo chops and jiu-jitsu was all too enticing an offer to not refuse. Sadly, there isn't much of that other than a few fleeing glimpses in the climactic fight between Trevor and Lassiter. The film seems to tease what could be the ultimate contest, yet fails to deliver on it. It's a waste of a good premise to see the future Frank Drebin knocking out jabronis left and right. Interestingly enough, Troma Studios was a domestic distributor for Project Kill, which gives the impression of the film being beyond gonzo. Yet, this film, much like other titles like Zombie Island Massacre, being uneventful offerings from a studio known for their reckless, abhorrent attitude towards good taste. This was one of the few films Gerler directed in the Philippines. Filming there was cheap and a hot spot in the wake of productions of Note Like Apocalypse Now. The country was a haven for directors like Girdler, Francis Ford Coppola, Lucio Fulci, and Bruno Matai. The Philippines also produced, uh, provided a few directors themselves like Serio H. Santiago and Eddie Romero. Lizzie Nielsen puts in a subpar performance as John Trevor. He comes off as tired and lacking any energy. This is a far cry from Forbidden Planet, but we'll see that sparkle of life in him as we did in Airplane and the Naked Gun. Gary Lockwood gives a blah performance as well as Frank Lasseter. There is no sense of animosity between Trevor and Lasseter as there should be in their rivalry. To my surprise, Lockwood is still alive and still acting. He appeared in the 2020 sci-fi comedy Unbelievable alongside almost every living Star Trek actor. He may be best known as Dr. Frank Poole in Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey. The only one having fun in this film is Vic Diaz, who plays mobster Alak Lee. We previously saw him in Raw Force as one of the jade-harvesting monks. He also worked with Eddie Romero in the exploitation film Black Mama, White Mama, with Pam Greer and Sid Haig. Project Kill is worth a watch just to see the lows that Leslie Nielsen found himself in in the 1970s. It may be depressing to see him in such a state, but think of what was ahead of him after this film. Vic Diaz alone makes this film worth a watch because he is clearly enjoying his turn as an organized crime heavy. A motion picture is coming that does not cater to fantasy. You will see nature's most savage man-eating animal. By its size alone, it can overpower and devour any human. Grizzly. Over 18 feet thousand pounds the largest carnivorous ground beast in the world campers you... come in here they leave food around the bears get the smell of it and that's it well this is different this bumps eating his victims anyone is fair game because this grizzly preys on the easiest food of all man man eating gut terror. The deadliest jaws on land belong to Grizzly A pair of campers are slaughtered by a grizzly bear. The park rangers find the girl's remains while on patrol. Soon a ranger is killed while skinny dipping by supposedly the same bear. Soon, the bear becomes bolder as it attacks populated camps and a home near the city. Ranger Michael Kelly wants to warn the public, but he's stopped by park supervisor Charlie Kittridge. After the attacks, Kelly and his associates, pilot Don Stieber and bear tracker Arthur Scott, plan to hunt down the bear. Their target is believed to be 18 feet tall and weigh over 2,000 pounds grizzly earned the reputation of being a blatant jaws knockoff instead of a shark terrorizing swimmers at a beach you have a bear attacking campers in the woods you have the pov shots of the bear lurking in the trees much like the shark pov shots underwater the robert o raglan score totally apes the sweeping sound of john williams that's not enough kelly a head ranger in place of brody the police chief don steber the pilot as the stand-in for hooper the richard dreyfus character arthur scott the bear tracker filled in for quint the shark hunter charles kitridge the park supervisor was the equivalent to the jaws mayor please don't be like the mayor in jaws <laughs> and never compare me to the jaws mayor never Yeah, I just used the soundbite from the atrocious 2016 remake of Ghostbusters. Let's move on. To be fair, the film was influential to a degree. In an interview with GamePro Magazine, one of the Capcom developers credited the final battle with the killer grizzly as inspiring the battle with the tyrants in the original Resident Evil. The use of the rocket launcher on the bear was mimicked in the game with the use of the rocket launcher on the tyrant. Despite the negative reviews by critics, the independent film raked in $38 million on a budget of around $750,000. There was a bit of a spat between executive producer Edward L. Montoro and Girdler when Montoro tried to keep all the profits from the international distribution paid by Columbia Pictures. Girdler took Montero to court, and Girdler won. Christopher George capably takes on the role of Ranger Michael Kelly. George brings his everyman charisma to the character. I know we've talked about George on the episode for Lucho Fulci's Gates of Hell trilogy. Uh, That was episode 17. Richard Jekyll hams it up as Arthur Scott, the bear tracker. He brings an eccentric tone to the role. Jekyll had his share of noted credits... The Dirty Dozen, Starman, and hundreds of TV appearances. Andrew prying with his smooth southern drawl, plays the helicopter pilot Don Stieber. He's also credited with the story of the Indian tribe slaughtered by the bears. Plenty of mainstream and genre credits, The Miracle Worker, Gettysburg, and The Lords of Salem. He's another one with hundreds of TV credits. Rounding out the supporting cast is Joan McCall, joe dorsey and girdler regular charles kissinger a simple concept a great cast and you'll be catching all the referential moments to jaws it's better than most will be willing to give it credit for it's gonna be a rough trip are you big and bad enough to handle it although the effect on living organisms is not yet known People are being advised to remain indoors whenever possible, especially those in high-altitude areas where the sun's rays would be naturally stronger. Hello, dog. I told you that sun seemed damn peculiar today. God sent a plague down on us because we're just a bunch of no-good fellas. You're out of that, Sam. There's something strange in the woods, and I don't know what it is. I know these city folks. Sure wouldn't take much pain panic them. Damn it, Doc. Get out of here. God, that's a God I believe in. Day of the Animals opens with a text crawl warning of the depletion of the ozone layer the ultraviolet radiation affecting animals and people. This isn't the first time we've seen this concept. The Jalo autopsy with Mimsy Farmer used this concept, as did John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13. A 2001 study from the Department of Psychology at Iowa State University proposed the idea that rising temperatures would lead to a greater aggression and violence exhibited by the human populace. Day of the Animals uh, kind of gives us a hypothetical vision of what this could be in real life. Before going on a days-long hike with tourists, ranger Steve Buckner is warned about strange incidents and animal attacks from the last few days. Buckner reluctantly refuses to cancel the hike, and the group is flown into the mountains. As the group travels through the mountains, hawks and vultures start to appear along the trail. They begin to show signs of agitation and ferocious behavior. During the first night, the camp is attacked by a pack of wolves. The group fights them off, but one of the hikers, Mandy, is badly wounded. This is only the beginning of the assault on humanity by nature. Day of the Animals often gets mistaken for a sequel to Grizzly. This is mainly due to the reunion of actors Christopher George and Richard Jekyll with director Girdler and producer Montoro. There actually is a Grizzly sequel that was considered lost for decades until a working print was discovered that sequel features the likes of John Rhys Davies of Lord of the Rings, George Clooney, Laura Dern, and Charlie Sheen. This was not directed by Gerdler as he died before production. <laughs> score was by none other than lalo schifrin he manages to play up the unnerving ambience and unsettling of nature with his subtle score he composed over 200 films but he's likely best known for the theme of mission impossible leslie nielsen returns from project kill to play a racist marketing agent paul jensen who is the one human to go insane from the ultraviolet radiation Just seeing him go berserk is a sight to behold, and such a dramatic improvement from Project Kill. Linda Day George is featured as one of the hikers, a television reporter. At the time of production, she was married to lead actor Christopher George. She appeared with him in the Chainsaw Jallo classic, Pieces. The supporting roles are filled with familiar faces. Michael and Sara of the Doll Squad and Batman the Animated Series is the Indian guide for the group. Andrew Stevens plays one of the hikers, but would go on to be a respected producer himself. Susan Becklinny is the first victim of an animal attack, just like how she was the first victim in Jaws. Michelle Stacy, the traumatized little girl, would appear in Airplane alongside Leslie Nielsen. Day of the Animals is another one that was surprisingly entertaining. I popped when I saw some of the cast in this film. George and Sarah and Nielsen put in the best performances, and you have an underrated score by Lalo Schifrin. This movie actually delivers. And that wraps up this episode of Mac in the Movies. Thanks for listening. Next time, it will be Nights of the Living Dead. We are going to look at films that blatantly abuse the public domain status of the George A. Romero classic by stealing the title for their own movie. I will also be doing a side-by-side of the original with the 1990 remake directed by Tom Savini, I'm not going to determine which version is the better version. Just look at specific elements and see which one did it better. That episode will drop on Friday, February 5th. If you like this content and would like to see the program grow, a one-time donation via PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App would be greatly appreciated. You can find me on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I have my BitShoot channel as well, which I have neglected. I'll try to add more content on it in the coming weeks. I'm also streaming on Twitch. I've been playing the Resident Evil 2 remake, Wasteland 3, and a bunch of different party games. You can check out my schedule on my Twitch channel. Uh, feel free to join in sometime. All of that in the description box below. This is Mackenzie Lambert for Making the Movies, signing off.